1913, the liberal candidate for Whitford was elected to the Alberta legislature, but his path through politics would be defined in many ways by scandal. Shortly after his election, the courts actually found the member for Whitford to be guilty of bribery and personal corruption. His short-lived victory was nullified, and he was barred from running again for eight years. But he appealed, and in 1915, courts upheld the guilty verdict in the bribery charge, but allowed the disgraced politician to run again. In the subsequent by-election, that same disgraced politician won back his seat. That politician was Andrew Shandro. But like I said, that was just the first in a series of scandals that characterized Andrew Shandro's political career. In office, he quickly established a pattern of using his titles and status for his own gain, even going so far as to have an opponent arrested. That opponent was later vindicated, and the justice in the case found that Andrew Shandro to have acted with express malice. Nonetheless, Andrew Shandro continued to add to his controversial record. In the midst of World War I, several elected members of the Alberta legislature also served in the military or the Canadian Expeditionary Force. Because of the extraordinary times, the legislature passed extraordinary legislation exempting sitting MLAs who were serving in the Expeditionary Force from having to run for re-election, effectively acclaiming them for another term. Andrew Shandro was one of those members who was automatically acclaimed in 1917. But unlike the seven other members who served overseas, Andrew Shandro controversially only served back home for 17 days. He then proceeded to wear his military uniform to the legislature for weeks in blatant defiance of a written order from his commanding officer. Andrew Shandro's time in the legislature finally came to an end in 1922, defeated by United Farmers of Alberta candidate, but not without one final futile legal tussle over a spelling mistake on his opponent's paperwork. A hundred years later, and the torch and perhaps the tradition of Andrew Shandro's time in politics would again be carried into the Alberta legislature by his great nephew, Tyler Shandro. Tyler Shandro began his political journey when he was only 16, working in the constituency office for Harvey Sininko, and as on occasion attributed his success in politics to learning under him. From there, he studied law at the University of Calgary. During his time at the University of Calgary, Shandro was known to write the occasional opinion column for the student newspaper, The Gauntlet. In those columns, he argued that taxpayer funds should not be used for government advertising and propaganda, and condemned the use of taxpayer-funded private clinics. Weird, right? Following his graduation, Shandra was called to the bar in 20, 2005 and quickly established a name for himself in the legal community. In 2010, he was one of the youngest appointees ever to the National Parole Board at 28 years old. He also served on the Calgary Police Commission and worked for the Municipal Government Board, the Calgary Parking Authority, and the Criminal Injuries Review Board. In 2015, Tyler Shandro ran for president of the PC Party of Alberta, and his platform fully opposed any possible merger with the Wild Rose. In 2016, Shandro said, I don't think it's legally permissible and I don't think it's feasible, and I really think the idea is really insulting to most of our members. He didn't win. 
When Jason Kenney announced his leadership campaign in 2016, Shandro pulled a handbrake 360 and wrote a legal briefing, making the argument for unification, and eventually served on committees to join the two parties. While all of this was going on, Shandro was also working as a lawyer for a group called Canada Action. You know, these guys. The ones with the t-shirts. And the ones who had their advertising in the windows of the legislature for years after Shandro and the UCP were elected. Now, The Breakdown did a whole deep dive on Canada Action in 2019. You might remember from that episode that from May 2016 to October 2018, Tyler Shandro filed the federal not-for-profit returns for Canada Action. But those aren't the only interesting things that happened out of what we can call a very popular address, 5838 Burbank Road. Now, before we get too far into 5838 Burbank, it's worth noting that the work that Chandra did for Canada Action wasn't without some, let's say, flaws. Chandra filed the 2018 annual return for Canada Action that stated that Canada Action was not soliciting. That means receiving public funds exceeding $10,000. The new lawyer for Canada Action that took over after Chandra was elected actually had to go back and correct that to indicate that Canada Action was indeed soliciting. That's a pretty big detail. Why is this important? Well, Canada Action was pretty busy in the run-up to the 2019 election. You might remember the rally in Calgary that saw almost 3,000 people show up. That 3,000 also included Sonia Kant, who collaborated with Calgary City Hall to have counselors put out videos while she was working as communications chair for the UCP. Now, Mayor of Calgary, Jody Gondek, was among many counselors who called for people to support the rally and Canada Action. My name is Jyoti Gondek, City Councillor for Ward 3. I'm taking action for Canada's future because our national economy depends on Canadians advocating for our leadership in energy-based corporate social responsibility. Please join the movement and spread the word. Canada Action also put together many petitions that saw people not only identifying their political views, but also their demographic information. And as much as Canada Action liked to say that they aren't a partisan organization, we looked up the definition of partisan, and it's literally a firm adherent to a party, faction, cause, or person. Given that they define their goal as Canada Action is a grassroots nonprofit organization that supports Canada's natural resource sector and its world-class regulatory framework, it sure sounds like they are indeed firm adherents to their cause. They were a political juggernaut at the time. But back to 5838 Burbank. 5838 Burbank was, also, was not only the corporate registered address for Canada Action, it was also the registered address for Doug Schweitzer's Exploratory Committee for Leadership of the UCP. But that's just the start. It was also the campaign address for the 2014 by-election in Calgary West that saw now UCP MLA Mike Ellis elected. The same Mike Ellis that Chandra has talked fondly about working with while on the political trail and who is now the, min the Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. He's also the same Mike Ellis who attended the wedding of ex-PC Justice Minister Jonathan Dennis and actually served as his best man. The wedding that allegedly was held in defiance of COVID restrictions. And yup, 
that's the same Jonathan Dennis who just getting who just finished getting cited for contempt of court after threatening a witness with a lawsuit while she was testifying in court. That's also the same Jonathan Dennis who has recently been accused of using a middleman to get in touch with a political fixer to buy the phone records of the reporter who covered the story on his COVID wedding so he could find out who the leak was. Tyler was, by the way, the official agent for Ellis's by-election campaign in 2014 and the 2015 general election campaign. Plus, Mike was the hockey coach for one of Tyler's kids. They go back. What's particularly interesting is that 5838 Burbank isn't the address of the law office that Chandra worked at prior to his election, Wilson Lakecraft. But to get back to Chandra, he almost predictably ran for the UCP and Chandra won the 2019 election with 54% of the vote. Tyler's time in office came with a rocky start, though, and he made his introduction to most Albertans with this embarrassing clip. Yeah, and she has some questions for me, and I look forward to being able to get back to her in due course. Yeah. Do you have a timeline, though? I mean, she has some questions for me, and I look forward to getting back to her in due course. So you're going to answer some questions. Is that what you're saying? And then you'll make a decision? or what's... Answer her questions, yeah, in due course. Or do you have a deadline for yourself as to when you're going to make a decision on this? No, I... I... I um, had a great meeting with uh, both Dr. Lieb and uh, with um, the member for Edmonton Castle Downs. Um, they had questions for me, and I look forward to getting back to them in due course. I had a number of questions uh, for me from, uh, from both Dr. Lieb and uh, from the, the member from Castle Downs, uh, and I look forward to being able to get back to them in due course. When you say in due course, what do you mean by that? Um, that in due course I will be getting back to them uh, to be able to answer their questions. This is a really simple question, Minister. Like, come on. Like, what, what, what deadline have you set for yourself to get back to these to, to these people for answers on this? I had a number of questions uh, for me from uh, both the member for Edmonton Castle Downs and uh, from Dr. Lieb, and I look forward, and I look forward to being able to get back to them in due course. I look forward to getting back to them in due course. This looks really silly. You're giving us talking points, and we're asking a very straightforward question about deadlines. Yeah, so when are you going to get back to them? What does in due course mean? I uh, look forward to getting back to them in due course. After the election, it also came out that Tyler and his wife are the co-owners of Vital Health, a private health insurance company. While Tyler was Minister of Health, he oversaw the transfer of a type of medication called biologicals to biosimilars as medications that the government covered the cost of. That saw more than a few accusations that while he had put his shares of the company called Vital Health that he co-owned with his wife in a trust, the company he was still a co-owner of would stand to benefit. Why those accusations? Because Vital Health provides supplemental health insurance that covers things removed from coverage by legislative changes brought into effect by none other than Tyler Shandro. Even the, deg the degree to which that blind trust was in effect was called into question with an open letter to the Ethics Commissioner claiming that both Shandro and his legislative staff had replied to emails sent to Vital Partners with government staff, Chad Hallman, requesting that the minister stop that behavior. Chad Hallman, by the way, is the son of Alan Hallman, one of Jason Kenney's longtime besties and the man who allegedly acted as an intermediary in helping Jonathan Dennis illegally obtain the phone records of the reporter who covered his wedding. The Business Association of Shandro and Vital Health also turned into a meme, a method of communication on the internet which we now know Jason Kenney is extremely fond of. 
is trying to get across and focusing on the fact that it is an act of violence being used by you to try and get a point across. Do you think it was appropriate to share that? See, that, that is that image and different memes based on it are basically the entire internet today. Uh, a meme is defined, I see, as a humorous image, video, piece of text, etc., that is copied often with slight variations and spread rapidly by internet users. That's what that is. It's a uh, relevant way of making a point. That meme was shared on Facebook by a Calgary physician who had sat on the same UCP board as Shandro, and apparently the board belonging to his friend Mike Ellis at the same time. Shandro and his wife responded to that meme being shared by showing up in the driveway of Dr. Zaidi, who shared the meme. The couple allegedly told Zaidi's kids who were out front playing basketball to get their father and followed that up by saying they should stay inside because they don't want to listen to what is going to happen. The couple then demanded the Dr. Zaidi delete the meme, all the while yelling and crying while doing so. It's worth noting that Dr. Zaidi later resigned from the UCP after Jason Kenney refused to take action on what many called the extremely racist views of Jason Kenney's speechwriter, Paul Bunner. But Dr. Zaidi was the only person who Chandra went after on the Vital Health Affair. After his wife received email at Vital Health expressing concerns about the perceived conflict, she forwarded them directly to Chandro's government email. And Chandro responded directly from that email with a threat to send legislative security services after the private citizen who sent them. It must be nice to have a health minister at your disposal to issue threats despite a blind trust. There have also been allegations that Chandro used his position as health minister to obtain from AHS the private phone numbers of two physicians who had protested an event he attended and then called those physicians later in their private time, which potentially represents a huge breach of privacy and a tremendous abuse of his position. During conversations about the consolidation of EMS dispatch, pulling those services away from municipalities, one city councillor reported that they were shocked by how confrontational Shandro became with them over the phone on the matter. During the pandemic, CBC obtained leaked audio recordings that seemed to show that Shandro and Kenny were micromanaging the pandemic response and potentially even trying to overrule the opinions and advice of the Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Dina Henshaw, with part of the recordings clearly showing Henshaw saying they don't want us to enforce anything. They just want us to educate and no enforcement. Those same leaked recordings painted a picture of a CMOH and her office that were being effectively worn down and overridden by the political goals of the government. Many have speculated that this, in conjunction with Hinshaw's adamant position that despite the legal powers that were provided in her role during the pandemic and the state of emergency, she existed only to advise, are some of the reasons that the instructions Albertans received were so erratic and often confusing, ultimately resulting in increasing polarization at a time when Albertans should have been coming together. So confusing were the instructions from Shandro and the health ministry that multiple UCP MLAs and the premier's own chief of staff traveled against the restrictions and recommendations during the 2020 Christmas break. While all of these separate issues were going on, Albertans also saw supervised consumption sites closed based on false information 
and a move away from harm reduction measures to an almost forced treatment model during an opioid crisis that has cost thousands of Albertans their lives. All of this on Chandra's watch. And all of this is to say nothing yet of the famous dispute with physicians during a pandemic. In late February of 2020, Shandro announced that he would be tearing up the master agreement that determined fee rules and imposed his own. The key motivation for this change cited by Shandro and the UCP was the billing designation of complex modifiers. Complex modifiers allowed physicians to extend the length of an appointment to address more than one problem at a time for patients who have multiple concerns. The changes Shandro implemented cut the time that doctors could use for those visits, as well as the amount physicians were compensated for those visits. Physicians tried to counter with the reality that with an aging population, multiple reasons to see a physician, as well as multiple conditions elderly patients often have, meant that complex modifiers were needed. But nonetheless, Shandro tore up that master agreement. This resulted in 98% of physicians voting that they had no confidence in the Minister of Health in July of 2020, again during a global pandemic. That same summer, 42% of AMA members indicated in an AMA survey that they were planning to leave Alberta overwhelmingly because of the changes that the government had made and the way the government was treating physicians in general. All of this seemed to come to a head in September of 2021 when Chandra resigned from the role of Minister of Health and was quietly shuffled away to be the new Minister of Labor. There's speculation that part of the motivation for the move was due to the fact that someone knew that the Law Society, the governing body for lawyers in Alberta, was going to be holding hearings on Chandra's behavior. Specifically, they were going to be holding hearings on him showing up in that physician's driveway and yelling at them. Also, for the time that he obtained physicians' phone numbers and called them at home. And also, for threatening to refer the person who emailed his wife to the authorities from his government address. But then came the Casey Madu scandal. In January of 2022, news broke that in March of 2021, then-Justice Minister Casey Madu had phoned the Edmonton Chief of Police after Madu had received a $300 distracting driving ticket for using a cell phone in a school zone. During that stop, Madu asked the police officer, do you know who I am, and then identified himself as the Minister of Justice. According to the investigative report, when Madu called the Edmonton Chief of Police, he raised the concern that he had received the ticket as a result of racial profiling. After that comment, though, the chief advised Madhu that there were only two choices, pay the ticket or go to court, and Madhu stopped short of asking the ticket to be nullified. The report that was issued following an investigation by a retired judge did conclude that while Madhu wasn't successful in interfering with the administration of justice, not only was there the reasonable perception that he tried, the report and investigation concluded he actually did try. Let's say that again. The report found that the UCP Minister of Justice had tried to interfere in the administration of justice. And for that reason, he was moved out of his role as Minister of Justice, which meant Kenny needed a new Solicitor General and a new Minister of Justice, both the same role. 
And despite Chandro's history, despite behavior that many would describe as problematic, and despite the fact that accepting the appointment while he had hearings pending with the Law Society created a tremendous conflict, Chandro was offered by Kenny and then accepted the role to be the new Solicitor General and Justice Minister. Now you might be asking yourself, what's the conflict with the Law Society? Well, a group of legal scholars have penned an article that clearly raises two concerns. First, if no guilt is found at the hearings, there will be a tremendous perception that the ruling was influenced by the role of Shandro as Solicitor General and Justice Minister, which regardless of its accuracy, will damage the reputation of the Law Society. But if the Law Society issues a decision that includes sanctions, that could not only impact the role of the Solicitor General, but also the relationship between the government and the Law Society. So in short, either by deliberate choice or by lack of judgment and foresight from Kenny and Chandro, they have put the Law Society in a no-win scenario, which by any measure is much much worse than failing to properly document that a pseudo-PAC entity is soliciting. The question that Albertans should be asking themselves is given all of this, given the failures of judgment, the personal advancement despite these failures, and the willingness to seemingly abuse power for personal and ideological gain, is this what Albertans want from their government? The UCP government possesses what seems to be a constant ability to either ignore their mistakes and ethical failures and continue on, despite the inherent flaws that many people believe these mistakes and scandals reveal. Even more so, there are many people who believe that the ability to seemingly gloss over these flaws reveals a pursuit for power driven wholly by ideology and nothing else matters. Not democratic norms not ethics, not principle, and certainly not what's best for Albertans. And that's it for another episode of The Breakdown. As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here, we would love it if you considered signing up to be one of our patron supporters at www.patreon.com slash thebreakdownab. It's because of the support that we receive from Albertans just like you that we're able to continue to produce the kind of content that we do. So if you'd be willing to give up the price of a cup of coffee, a fancy cup of coffee, every, every month, we would love it if we could get your support as well. As always, we want to say a huge thank you to everybody who is supporting us, and we want to say a huge thank you to everybody who has listened or watched this video, because Albertans need to know what's going on in their province. Thank you.